Oh, thank you. Awesome. Thank you, band. Beautiful worship here today. Hello. Well, if you were in our uh, in this church 35 years ago, I look a little different now. Uh, that had the joy of, I think I remember sleeping like under chairs here somewhere uh, on that, the beautiful carpet, the red and, and had the joy of living across the paddock just in the old house, Ethel's old house that was uh, over there and, and spent first 10 years of life here in Pookie, went to Valley Primary School and uh, have such beautiful fond memories of Life here and yeah, Granddad Gindy. I call him Gindy because when I was little, I, I couldn't say Granddad. So if I say Gindy during today, that's I'm referring to Pastor Rex Furness, and uh, and he baptized me in the font that is under this stage here. And so it is. It's it's a little bit emotional uh, being back here today. Uh, now God is good. He is incredibly faithful. And I want to honour Jesus here again this morning. Our Lord, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, be exalted in this church. As your name has been lifted high for a hundred years, would your name be lifted high forevermore? Jesus, be exalted. Jesus, be the centre of it all. Jesus Christ, we honour you, we exalt you, we adore you, we lift you high, we thank you that you paid the price. We thank you that you loved us before we could ever love you. And so Jesus, as you have been adored, would you continue to be adored in this service? Lord, over this great town city of Pukekohe, Lord, we thank you that Jesus would be lifted high. Lord, that your name would be made famous and that people would see your glory here in this church for years to come. We praise you and honour you. Thank you, Jesus, and want to want to really shout out your pastors here, and such such an honour to be invited here. And so, pastors Craig and Trinity, thank you for how you are stewarding this church in this season for your exceptional courage, and how man you have been refined by fire. There have been some challenges you have faced, but how you have clung to the Saviour and I believe leading this church into crazy days of glory. And so we want to honour you guys. Can you give some love to your pastors here? So good. So good. Well, we are, let's turn to God's word and Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 is where we're springboarding from today and we are going to keep bouncing in and around these few verses here this morning. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, 
For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so here in these verses, we see this athletic imagery, this running your race imagery. And so the writer of Hebrews sets this scene that's, that's describing our Christian pilgrimage as a long distance race. And so we, we have this imagery. It's almost like a, a giant stadium and the seats are filled with men and women of faith who have run the race before us. And us, you and I in our time, we are in the center and we are running our race and we're being cheered on by these men and women of God who have gone before us, these, these witnesses to the glory of Christ who have followed him while there is breath in their lungs. And they would be seated around these, these endless seats in this enormous stadium that, that would surround. And as we run our race in the here and now, it's like they're cheering us on. And we get, we get a glimpse of this where Hebrews 12 here, it starts with the word therefore. And whenever you see a therefore, you've got to ask what it's there for. And it points to something proceeding. And so you can't understand Hebrews 12 without understanding Hebrews 11. And we get a glimpse of this as we see the heroes of faith, these men and women of God who stepped out in faith to run their race, the race they were called to in their time and in their season. As they stumbled but ran and stumbled and got back up on their feet and continued running as they, as they ran their race. And then we, we find ourselves here in Hebrews 12, and it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since we're surrounded by these people who ran their race before us, and again, we get a glimpse of this in, in Hebrews 11, but we, we also can understand it from people who have run the race before us in the here and now. And as we've heard, people who have helped, who have served God, who have built what now creates a church that is 100 years old with a legacy of worship, of loving the community of reaching out to not just keep the good news of Jesus to something nice for me, but to see him as the hope of the world, to see the greatest message we can share is the gift of Christ with those around us in our community, our neighbours, our friends, our, our family. And there are many who have gone before us who now line the stands, cheering you and I on, cheering you on as you run your race in the here and now. Not as you run someone else's race. You don't have to run Pastor Craig's race. Run your race. The race marked out for you. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. It's worth contemplation. And the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run, let us progress with perseverance. Who? Did anyone here wake up this morning and go, Lord, I would love you to bless me today, and I would like blessing to look like opportunities to persevere. 
I would just love it if you would graciously give me really difficult moments in life in the here and now that I would have to persevere through. Was that anyone's morning prayer this morning? And the reality is, is, is right here we see that this race that we are called to, that this is no mere walk in the park, that there is a perseverance, there is a patient enduring that is the type of race that you and I are called to run. And, and thankfully, as we, as we keep going through here, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, fixing our attention on Jesus, locking our gaze on Jesus. There are so many things that vie for our attention and through it all, you and I are called to be a people who would see Jesus, the risen Savior, the hope of the world, the one who is resurrection life. And, and Jesus is the centerpiece of these few verses. Jesus is the centerpiece of God's word, the centerpiece of creation and called to be the very center of our lives. And as we run this race, it's important for us to, to go. So as we run this race, we are fixing our eyes on Jesus. Your race makes sense only as we fix our eyes on Jesus. That Jesus is actually the goal. He's the goal of the race to be with him, to be like him, to be useful for him, to spend eternity with him, to be transformed into his image. He is the goal that when we wake in the morning, that there would be this leaning of our soul, this leaning in, Lord, help me fix my eyes on you. And as worry screams loud, Lord, let me see my worry in light of seeing you first. As family screams loud, Lord, help me see my family in light of seeing you first. As work screams loud, Lord, help me see my work, my vocation. Help me see it after seeing you first. And that every day there's this leaning of our soul, this inclination, Jesus, let me know you more. Let me see you. Let me be shaped and transformed by you and Jesus here, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, we're reminded that he is the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. Now, pioneer, this means he's the author of your faith. He's the originator, the initiator, the beginning, the forerunner, the founder. So the faith that is in you has been established by Jesus, has been implanted in you by Christ, that he's the author of your running story, that Jesus was there 
before you began running your race. And then he's, he's the pioneer. He's also the perfecter. He's the completer, the accomplisher, the finisher. He began the race and he has finished the race. He's with you at the start of the race and the end of the race. That it's ultimately, it's not our ability to be a great runner. Like if you think about jogging here, who's like, yeah, I rate myself. And so you could get up now and you could, you could just give us like a, a demo of this beautiful running style, strong legs. Maybe you'd come up and kind of roll up your jeans and show us these big quads. And uh, just who's, who can like do the quad flex and uh, just, just give us, or maybe dob someone in. You're like, or maybe they've got amazing calves. We've got a guy at church, Fraser Brown, and he's just got these beefcake calves. And, uh, and so you just like, look, they're just they're sculpted in heaven. Uh, he's amazing. Who's got great calves? Just, just own it right now. And, and, uh, and so the, the reality is in this race that we're talking about here, our, our Christian pilgrimage, our, our journey with Jesus, it's not our ability. It's not your ability to be an amazing runner. Because if it was, man, we all fall so way short. Our ability to run a faith race as a mere human, to be, we really suck at that. Like we're pretty good at stumbling. We're pretty good at falling short. And, and I, can, I can own that personally. And so our ability to run this race is only made possible through the finished work of Christ. So with this race, like if you're running, if you're, if you're going for a jog, here we go. Let's, yeah, let's just, it's nice. And so here we go. I'm running in Pookie. And uh, actually, I remember my dad used to, is the Grand Prix track still here or that's going, right? Is, uh, is something happening? My dad used to jog around the, the Grand Prix track and I was too little, so I'd ride my bike. Um, but if we're, if we're going to if we're going to run our race here, then as a human running our race, it typically works best on our feet. Uh, like running your race on your hands to do that is a bit trickier. I'll show you. <laughs> so I won't. I can't. Who was really excited, man? This could. Can he really? Can he? No, he can't. No. Uh, like if you were to do the worm and run your race, just, yeah, I'm doing the worm. I'm going to look at my style. I, like, again, not, not very effective. The reality for us is in, in this Christian journey that we actually best run our race on our knees. And it's amazing, right, that everything within our humanity fights against surrender. If we're really honest... And then we're really good at selective surrender. God, I'll give you this, 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 and this, but don't look over here at this. Uh, what happens at this time of day? No, no, that, that, that's mine. That uh, on this day of the week, on, you know, this, I don't want you to. And the reality is, is we, as we run this race, we run most effectively on our knees with his strength and his power. And so... Here today is we, because some of us right, right now in the world are just feeling exhausted and you're like, 
a message about running my race? Are you serious? I just, I, if I can run to the couch? And I, I don't know if I've got the juice in the tank to, to run this race. There's so, so much pressure I'm facing. You, you know the deal. We, and the reality is your ability to run this race that God has marked out for you isn't about your ability to be awesome, isn't about your strength. It's about his. It's about the finished work. You see, in this race, it's not about our striving to try and win the race. We're not trying to win victory. We're actually running from a place of victory because victory has already been won for us. And so, so we're not just trying to run. So I'm just going to be a better Christian and I'm just going to worship harder and I just got to do this more. And, and I, oh, maybe the answer is, is just, it's, it's all this effort here and, and effort here. And, and it's not like God doesn't require effort, but there is a supernatural strength that he places in us to serve him and to run the race as we live it on our knees. Then it's his power that we run in. It's his finished work that animates and empowers. And so let us see afresh something of the finished work of the cross, the freedom that Jesus Christ has won on your behalf, on my behalf. And so let us be a people, let this church be a people who run this race on their knees in his strength, in his enabling, understanding that we're not trying to crank the faith handle, that it's his faith in us. And as we allow his faith in us to do what he does, wherever Jesus is, life is power is. And so as we let him really free to live inside of us, as we live on our knees, then my goodness, this journey, there is nothing like it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy sat before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Consider him. Consider him who endured such Opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary or lose heart. It's interesting. Why would you have to put in here that you will not grow weary or lose heart? You don't put that in the Bible unless there's an understanding that we're going to lean in that direction pretty well on our own. At times, we don't have to go looking for the opportunity to grow weary. It finds us. We don't have to go looking for opportunity to lose heart, to be discouraged, it can find us pretty well. And so when we find ourselves in a place of feeling weary, feeling discouraged, let that be a relentless trigger. Let it be an alarm bell in heaven that somehow, somewhere I've taken my eyes off Christ, that maybe I'm doing stuff for him, but I've failed to see him. 
Maybe I'm running around doing things that have just become religious now and they used to be such a time of, like, you know, you can get up in the morning and you can have a moment with God before you start the day and that can be open-hearted and an opportunity to find him as we seek him and for that moment to have a transformational element or it can be dead, dry and religious, something we just do because we've done it. And we can be getting up, spending moments, spending time with God, but we still find ourselves weary or losing heart. And let that be an alarm bell, which tells us, man, I've got to shake something up here. And I'm spending time around things that Jesus is involved with, but I'm not peeling back the layers and stilling my soul to actually see him again. It's like when you're married, you can spend your married life just kind of cohabitating and, and just in these like transactional mode as there's so much happening. And, and I um, absolutely love my wife, Em. We celebrate 24 years, married next November. And we have to be intentional about cultivating a glorious marriage, about building a marriage that honors Christ and, and where we love each other and we can be excited more about being together now after 24 years than even in the, the fluffy little romantic moments when, when you're first dating. But we have to be intentional with that space. And so how do we fix our eyes on Jesus? So if we're, if we're seeing this going, okay, I got to run this race marked out for me, whatever that is, whatever that looks like. And I got to fix my eyes on Jesus, the pioneer. How do, how do I actually, how do I do that? What does that look like? How do I do something about this tomorrow? What does that look like tomorrow? And I want to encourage us with some thoughts here. And let me read you a, a few quotes uh, from people much smarter than myself. And, and Robert Mulholland, in one of the best books on spiritual formation, Uh, that I've read called Invitation to a Journey. He says, somewhere between the extremes of the avoidance of discipline and the imprisonment of discipline is the holistic practice of balanced spiritual disciplines that become a means of God's grace to shape us in the image of Christ for others. And there are timeless spiritual disciplines that have been at the core of the Christian church for centuries that we've got to make sure are a core part of our world for us to see Jesus and be transformed by him. Prayer, prayer, Bible, deep Christian community, fellowship, relationship. These are three core Christian practices for us and, and prayer. Let me read you some words from Timothy Keller. He says, prayer is the only way into genuine self-knowledge. It is also the main way we experience deep change, the reordering of our loves. Prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things he has for us. Indeed, prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we most desire. It is the way we know God, the way we finally treat God as God. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. We must learn to pray. We have to. He continues and says, prayer is awe. 
intimacy and struggle, yet the way to reality. There is nothing more important or harder or richer or more life-altering than prayer. How do we fix our eyes on Jesus? We wake up tomorrow morning and choose to be a person who's going to grow as a person of prayer. Not something I do, this is who I am. Bible, Dallas Willard and Renovation of the Heart says, we must thoughtfully take in God's word, thoughtfully take in God's word, dwell upon it, ponder its meaning, and explore its implications. The process of spiritual formation in Christ is one of progressively replacing destructive ideas with the ideas of Jesus himself as seen in the word. Thinking clearly is to take the information of Scripture into mind, directed and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and to pursue the truth with resolute intention of living it out. Now, most of what I read from Dallas Willard, I have to read three or four times to really grab uh, exactly what he's saying. So I hope you can get it in these, these few moments here today. How do we fix our eyes on Jesus tomorrow is by choosing to be a person who allows the Word of God to be alive in us. Not just to read it, but to be shaped by His words with the resolute intention of living them out. And thirdly, church, discipleship community, real fellowship, open, accountable kingdom relationships. And from my my pastoral experience and and chatting to others who've been doing this journey a lot longer, I I would think that more more than half of what God wants to do in your life will come to you through other men and women of God around you. And sometimes we want God to speak and make it clear. We want a moment of lightning that just God, would you? And he's like, yes, I will lead you. I will guide you. I will empower you. And the key ways I'm going to do that is as you determine to be a person of prayer, as you determine to take the word of God and let it transform you, and as you plant yourself in open, accountable Christian relationships, And then I will speak to you predominantly through those contexts. I will fill you with power. You will see my glory and my victory. And so as we're looking at this message here, I'm bringing it right back to simple spiritual disciplines, which don't sound glamorous. There's no hypey, rah-rah message in this moment here. I want to pull us right back to the basics, the core building blocks for you and I being the people that God has called us to be. And we will see Jesus as we make space for those core spiritual disciplines in our life. And I am so grateful that my granddad, that Gindi was someone who would be up before the sun rose, who would pray and seek God and read the word. And mum would hear him doing that in the mornings. And it would shape her as a person. And that as I grow up, that it's a normal part of life in our household where I 
I would see modeled this getting up early to seek God before the day to put him first. And then everything that happens on the outward, everything that, that happens, you know, expressed through us would be just a, a reflection of what God is doing in the solo sacred secret space. And that when I fully came back to Christ after wandering as a, as a teenager and came back and humbled myself before God as a 19-year-old, that the thing I'm most grateful for and probably the only reason I'm still here is that I followed that model and built into my world prayer, Bible, and open kingdom relationships. And for me in the context of church, And those things have sustained and brought a continual revelation of who my Jesus is. And my heart for each of us today is that you would run your race, freed from comparison. No pressure to run someone else's race. We're not competing in this race. It's really strange imagery if we've got the stadium with all these <coughs> chairs around the place and, and then we've got these runners running. We're, we're used to seeing races where, where people are competing in the middle. But the reality is we're just continuing a race that started long before us. And we're not competing with each other, but those in the stand are cheering you on saying, I started something that was started before me and then before me and before me. And I was running a race that was called forth in the heavens by Christ. And they, they saw a partial completion of what they hoped for as they ran their race. And with, while breath was in their lungs, they were called to serve the risen Christ. And now they cheer us on from these stands as you and I run our race, not in competition, but together while there is breath in our lungs to declare the victory of Christ and to own His victory in here, not just as a concept in here, but where we would ponder, we would consider, we would think out thoroughly the work of the cross and see it radically change us that when people see you next year, they're like, wow, you look a little bit more like Jesus. And when they see you the year after, they're like, my goodness, you look just a little bit more like Jesus. You looked pretty awesomely like Jesus before, but now there's just... And there was that attitude in you that warred against the victory of the cross. And I don't see that in you anymore. And you're like, yeah, it's because I learned to get on my knees. Now I'm running my race without that hindrance, without that baggage, because we've got to throw that stuff and let the victory of the cross live in here. That as you're walking around Pookie, there is something of the glory of God that is seen in your countenance because that morning you chose to build a spiritual discipline that all of the men and women of God before us who have done something for His glory have chosen to sacrifice some human time to be found in the glory of God so that we would be transformed. Can I have everyone who's between 12 and 22, just to stand. 12 and 22, quickly stand, just quickly. Quickly stand. If you're not sure if you're in that age group, just ask the person next to you.
Can you just have a look around? No, stay standing. Don't sit. Don't sit. And have everyone who would like to still be 12 or 22 just to... No, that's, that's, yeah, to. Can I ask you guys, you girls, just where you stand? Can you just open your hands like this? Just hold them out in front of you. Just open your hands. Can I have every person who's sitting... Can you just right now be praying for these incredible young men and women? So go ahead, just close your eyes just where you are as you're standing. And whether you have a hardcore revelation of who Jesus is or whether you got dragged to church today by someone a little older than you, open your heart right now. Open your heart right now. So come on, where are you standing? Just hands open. Lord, I thank you for these incredible young people. Lord, I thank you that as your call comes to them as they run their race, Lord, that there would be a revelation of who Jesus is. Lord, that would be real and clear for them. Lord, I thank you that your love that paves away, Lord, that your love would be experienced, a love that says you do not have to be anyone else, but you are secure in the love of God that matters more than any other thing. So Lord, would you anoint these young people for your glory? Lord, would there be a sense of call that comes in Jesus' mighty name? Eternity calling. Lord, even these people that are gathered around praying right now, that there would be a sense that they're being cheered on by those who are alive, by those who have gone before them. Lord, that their life matters so much that they are loved so much. Anoint these young people for your glory, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. You guys can grab your chair. You matter. You matter. And as we... As we wrap this to a close... Can I ask us all to stand together? I just want to read a a prayer. And this prayer is called a liturgy for a people who put Jesus at the center. And my wife is a bit of a poet and a wordsmith. And she's a beautiful hybrid coming together of Anglican heritage and Pentecostal smushed together in a beautiful, it's like, it's like a chocolate cake. When you add cake and chocolate, it just makes things better. And, and so I want to read this prayer for us. And as we're talking about the victory of Christ and the centrality of Christ, and as we sung that together today, I want us to own these words and take them in for yourself. And so can you just, just where where you're standing, if you're comfortable, if you want to open your hands, if you want to close your eyes and let this prayer resonate, let it it echo in our hearts. Our Jesus, our Alpha and Omega, our purpose, 
the axis on which the world turns, the centre on which our lives are held. Forgive us, O Lord, for where we've moved other idols into your rightful place, for where we have worshipped ourselves, our spouses, our children, our comforts, our monuments of success, where we have not loved you with the mosaic of ourselves. How can we forget that we're called to live with your name painted on our hearts, cradling our minds, echoing in our mouths, defining our days, enthroned in our bones? We declare again in collective faith that you, O Lord, are our timekeeper, our shadow lifter, our reason maker, our noise shifter, our pathway pointer. We will attune our ears to your good shepherd voice. Oh, how we love your voice. We will follow you to green pastures even when we can't yet see them. We will commit to hard work habits that keep our feet and souls weighted in purpose. We will daily posture in surrender to you, even when, especially when it feels too hard. We will fill our homes, our heads, our hearts with notes of worship so your words are loudest. We will wildly and tenaciously grasp the victory, the provision, the power, the flourishing, the blessing that you have jaw-droppingly gifted us. Our Saviour and Lord, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the mountaintop moment, in the middle of the stumbling, the seeking and the sojourning, in the middle of our usual Tuesday, our standard Thursday, our racing Saturday, our corporate Sunday, in the middle of our identity where you whisper, my beloved. In the middle of the fire that flickers with kingdom coals, there in the middle, be in the middle. There and then and only there and then, despite what the chatter may say, is the life we long for, is the life we were born for, is the life you love for, is the life you gave for. We put our hands up again today for that Jesus-centered life. We're all in. Amen. Amen. God bless you, beautiful people.